Well, good morning, friends. I'm so glad you chose to join us once again in worship as Second Baptist Church as we enter the journey of this incredibly holy week. You know, so much disappointment, so much dissatisfaction can be tied to the distance between expectation and actuality. In fact, with a quick internet search, you can easily find articles from Business Insider, Psychology Today, and any number of other publications that actually state that one of the keys to happiness is to lower our expectations. Because if we lower our expectations, they say, there's a much greater possibility that our expectations will be met or exceeded more regularly. And you know, as much as I think it's good to have good expectations and good goals in this life, there's some wisdom in that. Because it's true. Often in life, disappointment and dissatisfaction can be tied to unmet expectations, to there being a mismatch between what we expected or hoped or assumed would happen and to what actually ended up happening. In fact, I'm positive that we could probably all think of a variety of moments over the course of this past year where we experienced this reality, where there was a mismatch between our expectations, what we thought was going to happen, and what actually ended up happening. Just as, as we'll see in this passage of scripture from John chapter 12, this is the kind of thing that was happening in the lives of these palm wavers less than a week after they were shouting Hosanna on that first Palm Sunday. You know, we often celebrate this Sunday as celebratory, and we should. Because, of course, we view this Sunday through the lens of what will happen next Sunday. How we've come to understand it, the, the impact it's had on our lives, the impact that Jesus continues to have on our lives. We understand it that way, and that is why we raise and lower our palm branches in praise. But, you know, there's often actually a mismatch between our understanding of Palm Sunday and what they were actually doing on that Palm Sunday. See, over a hundred years before this moment, Judas Maccabeus, one of their military heroes, had led Israel to victory over the Syrian dynasty. And when he did, he rode victoriously into Jerusalem on his war horse and was greeted by scores of people waving palm branches. And you can bet your life that when Jesus, with all the reputation that had been building around him, came into Jerusalem on that day on a colt, greeted by crowds shouting, Hosanna, which means salvation or save us, the crowds thought they were celebrating a coming conquest. This was their expectation. These people had been waiting, longing, hoping for something in their life to change because life was not as they wanted it to be. Sound familiar? So many of our prayers over this past year have sounded an awful lot like the sentiment of their prayers. Save us. For many of us right now, this Longing has been tied to this pandemic and, and this virus and all the ways that it has upended our lives. We've been at this for just over a year now, which is incredibly significant. 
And I know we're all more than ready for this situation to end. And this may not be the only situation in your life that you are longing to have come to an end. You know, these people on that first Palm Sunday were also ready for a situation or two in their lives to come to an end. Many of them were oppressed and living in some kind of poverty. Most of them had been waiting for God to break into their lives in a very specific way, with, with much of that waiting tied to the hope of a coming Messiah, a long-awaited king that they believed was going to come and lead them into victorious battle to save them. And so, with all of this in mind, their Maccabean history intertangled with their hopes and dreams for a better future and, and all of their ideas about what that must mean. When these people saw Jesus on that donkey that day, they saw a victory march, which they assumed would lead them to the fulfillment of a certain kind of long-held hope or expectation. Or in other words, they saw what they wanted to see. They saw God doing what they'd always assumed or at least hoped God would do. They saw God working in the way they assumed God was going to work or, or should work or, or the way God was supposed to work. What they saw in Jesus on that day was the fulfillment of all their greatest expectations. Which is one of the reasons why they miss the meaning of Jesus not being on a war horse, but on a donkey. Jesus had been trying to help all of them understand the meaning of his Messiahship from the very beginning of his ministry. But even still, as much time as they'd spent with him, they missed it. Which we know is not all that uncommon. Sometimes, no matter what is being said or done, we still only hear what we want to hear and only see what we want to see. In fact, I, I wonder where that might be true in all of our lives right now. I wonder where in our lives right now we're only seeing what we want to see. We're only hearing what we want to hear. In this Palm story, this Palm Sunday story we're celebrating today, there was a monumental mismatch in what they thought was going to happen and what actually happened. And, and you know what happened when these palm wavers, these save us shouters, finally realized that their salvation wasn't coming in the exact way they wanted it at the exact time they wanted it. You remember? Their faith in Christ crumbled. And not only that, not only that, when, when Jesus didn't meet and match their expectations of him, they became angry and antagonistic. He somehow went from being their hero to becoming in their minds a kind of villain. Remember? Remember what happened to these crowds and with these crowds? Later in the week, they probably weren't all the same people, but some of them surely were. And what we see happening is that when Jesus didn't do exactly what they wanted him to do, exactly when they wanted him to do it, 
Some of them fled. Others of them hid. And many of them turned from claiming him as Christ to shouting, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And as he carried that cross up that hill toward Golgotha, only one from that crowd came forth to help him carry his cross. When God didn't meet their expectations, when God didn't work in the way they expected God to work, they turned away, which is honestly a pretty normal human response, one that many of us have experienced. When things don't go as we expect things to go, when, when God or even someone else in our life doesn't act in the way we expect them to act, when, when life doesn't work as we expected it to work, it can be disturbing. It can be disrupting and disorienting, which in small and large ways can either be the beginning of the end of something. It could be the, the moment when we get angry and walk away. And sometimes maybe we need to. But often, especially when it comes to our faith, these moments when God surprises us, when there seems to be such a mismatch between what we expected of God and the world and others and what is actually happening, when, when there's such a mismatch that this really disrupts and disorients us, often if we're able to gather ourselves and be present to what's going on in us in those moments, and, instead of getting angry and walking away, it could turn out that what's happening is actually not the beginning of the end, but the beginning of the beginning. A new beginning. That's certainly what we see eventually in the Gospels anyway. We've said throughout this Lenten season that one of the reasons we're engaging in these age-old contemplative prayer practices is because using them as a regular resource in our relationship with God helps us wake up to things in our lives we often can't easily see, including things that need to die so that other things, better things, in us might live. All of us, we know, have developed unhealthy attachments and expectations and ideas and assumptions about life and God and ourselves and others that we continue to clutch and cling to so tightly and, and we've done it for so long that we, we don't realize that they're actually clutching and clinging to us. And part of the lifelong work all of us would do well to do is to learn to identify and acknowledge what these things are and then to loosen our grip so that they'll also loosen their grip on us. Or in other words, if we want to grow, we have to learn the spiritual practice of letting go. This is how we grow, by letting go. Or Richard Rohr has said it like this, letting go is not any one's program for happiness, and yet all mature spirituality is in one sense or another about letting go or unlearning. The, the German mystic 
Meister Eckhart said it like this, growing spiritually has as much to do with subtraction as it has to do with addition. And, and just for good measure, Jesus put it this way. If anyone wants to be my disciple, they must deny themselves, take up their cross daily and follow me. For anyone who wants to save their life must lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. Whoever loses their life will find it. All mature spirituality is about letting go. We have to learn to wake up, to identify, to acknowledge, to loosen our grip, and to let go. And while I, of course, don't know exactly what God might be calling you to let go of, I did think it could be helpful to enter this holy week during this deeply disorienting season we're all continuing to wade through with a particular kind of prayer that comes in the form of a particular prayer posture, which just might embody or nurture a sacred willingness to let go. The posture, fittingly for today, is palms up, like this. Palms open, out, and up. You know, earlier in this Lenten season, I suggested we pray another prayer with our palms up. And someone asked me later in the week to expound on why. And one of the reasons why is because it fosters a spirit of openness. It's very difficult to hold on to anything too tightly with our palms open and up. And I find especially now that can be pretty healthy and helpful. So many things have changed over the course of this past year, and things are changing still. We often feel like we've lost control, though of course, what we're really losing is the illusion that we were ever in control in the first place. We're living in a, a very disorienting time, and that's not something we can change. But what we might be able to do is learn to live better in the midst of the disorientation. We need to learn to live palms up. In the Jewish and Christian tradition, prayer sometimes involves words, and sometimes it simply involves breathing before God. And with and without words, it's almost always helpful to assume a certain kind of posture. In Jesus' day, one of the most common postures is eyes open, hands up in the air before God. We also see people in Scripture lying prostrate on the ground, kneeling before God. And often in the contemplative tradition, as we've practiced throughout this series, we're asked to sit comfortably. To breathe deeply, to close our eyes, and it can be so helpful to have our palms open and up. Because when our palms are up, it's difficult to hold on to anger or frustration. These aren't always bad, but either way, it's difficult to hold on to them when our palms are open and up. It's easier to hold on to things like that when our fists are clenched, you know. 
God has has somehow wired our emotions to our postures and our gestures. So fists clenched, shaking in the air, brings us into a certain kind of space. Fists clenched, hands turned downward, brings us into another kind of space. You might hold your hands like that now for a moment. What's in them, metaphorically? As you clench those fists, what are you holding on to so tightly? What are you clenching and clutching onto right now? What is filling your heart and your hands right now? What is, what is weighing you down right now, right there where you are? Name it. And as you name it, hold on to it tightly for a moment. And then loosen your grip. Open your hands and let that thing fall away. Release it. Then turn your hands over. Palms up now. Palms up before God as we become open before God as well. Palms up as a posture of of humility. In humility, we don't think less of ourselves, but we do think of ourselves less. Palms up as a posture of generosity. Gifts are offered with open hands and outstretched arms. There's no expectation for any kind of repayment. With our palms up and open, we are generous. Palms up is a posture of generosity and gratitude. Gratitude is a life-changing practice that nurtures joy as we name the good things in our lives. We're grateful for what we have, what has been placed in our hands, and we offer that gratitude up as an offering to the giver of all good things. Palms up is a posture of trust and vulnerability. We are not defensive. We are open. Palms up is a posture of receptivity. What is God trying to give me right now? What is God trying to teach me right now? What might I learn from the disorientation that is happening in my life right now? Perhaps you might try. As you move from this moment throughout the moments of this week, to find some time to be intentional. As you sit, stand, or even as you walk, to prayerfully hold your palms open and up. Remembering as you do that Hosanna, the God who saves us, is here. Amen.